And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, we thank you this morning for your word. We know that it is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And Father, we consecrate this time, in this place, in this moment, to our singles, not only at Word of Truth Family Church, but Father, throughout the country who will listen to us via podcasts and CDs. And Lord, I pray that every single in this house their lives will be changed for better their hearts will be lifted with courage and most of all father their hearts will be filled with faith to obey the word that they hear and Lord I thank you that they will never ever be the same and I declare that in Jesus name and if you believe that prayer say amen Amen, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Today we're starting a series called our Survivor Series. Everybody say Survivor Series. And uh, our first service was catered to our married individuals. And this particular service is actually for those who are single, which means non-married. So if you're visiting us and you're married, uh, I'm sure this will still encourage you because there are some principles that I'm going to teach that will bless you. But next week, if you're married, come to the 9 o'clock service and it'll really be a blessing to your life. Can you say amen? Amen. And so the 11 o'clock service is designed for our singles. And so if you have your Bibles and if you have your hearts ready, I'm telling you, I believe today's message can take your life to the next level. Say next level. And that next level for you may be future marriage. It could be finding your purpose. It could be strengthening your spiritual commitment to the Lord. But regardless of whatever you see as your next level, this Survivor Series over the next month will definitely put you on track And I believe keep you on track to experience God's best for your life. Now, in order for change to take place in your life, faith in your life has to be activated. Can you say activated? And faith can only work when we exercise works along with it. So before I jump into the lesson this morning, I want to give you some faith works. Everybody say faith works. These are some things that I'm going to ask you to start doing as you hear the message. Here's the first faith works. You need to pay attention. Just look at your neighbor and say, you need to pay attention. Number two, you need to be consistent in your attendance because if you're not consistent, then you can miss uh, the layer of what God is doing throughout our series. And then number three... I want to encourage you to purchase the CDs or listen to the messages via podcast. Those are free because hearing the word will produce faith and the word, when it produces faith, will sink down deep in your heart and your heart will be able to obey the word. Here's the next one I want you to do is maintain an open heart 
at all times. In other words, don't negotiate with your flesh or the devil when you hear an area where you need to change. Can you say amen? amen? The next one is to be ready to make instant changes. Everybody say instant changes. Amen. If I, if I talk about uh, uh, not having sex and you're having sex, you need to make an instant change to stop having sex. Look at your neighbor and say, are you having sex? <laughs> just, just ask them. Now look at your other neighbor and say, I can't believe they asked me that. <laughs> if you have your Bibles, I want you to find Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, we're going to look in verse 18. Ephesians 5, 18. And then I want you to put a marker at John chapter 4, verses 5. That was Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. And then I want you to put a marker at John chapter 4, verses 5. Our message title today for our singles is, what are you drinking? Now just look at your neighbor and say, what are you drinking? Now look at your other neighbor and say, what's in your cup? Some of y'all were drinking last night. I'm just going to let that settle right there. Just, just so I'm going to jump right into the message. Here's, here's point number one. What you drink affects how you think. <laughs> Somebody say, amen. What you drink affects how you think. In other words, what you drink influences how you think and how you think determines your decisions and your decisions determine your actions and your actions determine your destiny i'm gonna say those again what you drink influences how you think how you think determines your decisions your decisions watch this determine your actions and your actions determine your destiny in ephesians chapter 5 verse 18 I'm going to read it out of the King James and then I'm going to read it out of two more other verses. This is what it says. And be not drunk with what? With wine. Now, now, if it was today, if, if this was written in 2014, it would probably say, and be not drunk with Boone's Farm apple wine. <laughs> it, it might say, be not, that's old school lane, that's old school. <laughs> do they still make that? Do they still make? They do? How y'all know? <laughs> It could, not, it could say, and be not drunk with gin and juice. But it says, we're in in excess. He said, but be filled with the what class? Be filled with the Spirit. I'm going to read that, read that out of the Living Bible. It says, don't drink too much wine, for many evils lie along the path. Be filled instead with the Holy Spirit and controlled by Him. The New Living Translation says, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Have you ever been naturally drunk in here? If you have, raise your hand. Oh, come on now. Somebody, okay, let me ask this question. I didn't say, do you currently drink? 
I said, have you ever been drunk before? Because we only had a few hands in here, and I know. I don't even need discernment to know if some of you all have been drunk. So I'm going to ask the question one more time, and I need participation and honesty. As they say in Jamaica, I need you to be honest. How many of you have ever been drunk in here before? Let me see your hand. Ah, see the change, you liars. <laughs> when you are drunk, you're not fully aware of your surroundings. It gives you false hope. It gives you false uh, boldness. That's why most people fight when they get drunk. Because they, they don't have enough boldness to fight when they're not drunk. But notice he says, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled. Everybody say filled. Be filled with the Spirit. Now, I'm going to jump right into point number two, and here it is. When your soul is thirsty, nothing physical will quench it. When your soul is thirsty, nothing physical will quench it. A lot of people drink because they are trying to mask, they're trying to dull, they're trying to uh, push down maybe some negative experiences or they had a bad day and so they want to push that down. But the Bible says don't be drunk with wine but be filled with the Spirit. Amen. And when your soul is thirsty, nothing physical will be able to quench you. Go to John chapter 4. John chapter 4. I love this particular story. And uh, I was talking to uh, one of our members this week. And uh, they, they've been a believer for a while. And, uh, you know, Paul said, when I was a child, I thought like a child. I acted like a child. And, and you know, basically... I, I was a child. He said, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. And when you grow up in God, there are certain things you need to stop doing. Amen. When was the last time you changed on purpose? You know, I mean, I, some of you all changed because you, 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 you got on parole and they, 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 they take, you know, they take samples. And so it, it forced you to change. But, but when was the last time you made a decision, I'm going to change? And I was talking to this, uh, this individual, and I told him, I said, you know what, it's time for you to stop drinking. Because drinking had gotten them in trouble. And some of you all in this room, here's one of those instant changes. You need to stop drinking liquor. Just go home. I know you got something right now. Cowboys game today, you got a Budweiser. It is dripping cold. Sitting in the fridge, waiting on the game. Stop drinking. You know why? Because this is the question that I asked the person. I said, will stop drinking hurt your life or help your life? They said, well, it can't do nothing but help my life. Well, you stopping drinking liquor. I have to say liquor because, you know, some people drink water and, and Kool-Aid and, and, and uh, you know, Coke and Sprite and those kind of things. And those are not bad even though in some cases they can be bad for you. But liquor takes you to another level. 
I know we have some drinkers in here right now. Okay, let's go to John chapter 4. John chapter 4, look at verse 5, and just touch your neighbor and say, you need to stop drinking. Watch John 4 now. I'm going to start in verse 5. Then he, talking about Jesus, came to a city called Samaria, uh, which is called Sychar, near the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, he sat on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. Then came a woman of Samaria. Now, remember, Samaritans were like half-Jews, okay? And so she came to draw water. And uh, let me throw this out, too, that women normally didn't come by themselves. So there was something about this woman that caused her to be an outcast. Well, let's see what it is. It says, uh, verse 7, she came, and uh, Jesus asked her, give me something to drink. Verse 8, for his disciples had gone to the city to buy some meat. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, how is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. In other words, Jews and Samaritans didn't get along. I mean, it's just like the East Coast, West Coast thing. You know, it's, it, if you are uh, uh, part of the Crips and then, uh, and then you are part of the Bloods, are they the same one? Whatever. <laughs> they didn't relate to each other. And here it is, Jesus is asking her for some water. So then verse 10, Jesus said unto her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink. You would have asked of him, and he would have given you, what class? Living water. Okay, so now he's about to make a difference between the kind of water she came to draw and the, and the kind of water that he was offering her. One water was physical water, and he said what he was able to give her was what? Living water. Verse 11. Then the woman said, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, for the well is deep. For whence you have the living water? Where is it going to come from? Verse 12. Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us his well and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? Verse 13. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinks of this water is going to what? Thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Notice now the type of water that Jesus was offering was the kind that would never cause you to be thirsty again. And the reason single people are so thirsty to be in relationships is because they're not close enough to the person who can quench their thirst. Amen. So, he goes on to say, she says, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not. She's still stuck in the natural. Neither come here to draw. Verse 16. Jesus said to her, Go call your husbands and do what? Tell him to come here. The woman answered and said, I have what? 
I don't have a husband. And Jesus said unto her, You have well said I have no husbands. For you have had, how many? Five what? Husbands. She would have been on a great reality show, wouldn't it? I mean, she could have had a show by herself called The Housewife of Five Cities. He said, you have had five husbands, and who you are now with is not even your husband. And that says thou truly. And the woman says, sir, I perceive you a prophet. I guess I would think he was a prophet too if he told me how many times I was married. But it is obvious that this woman was thirsty, but what she did not know was that her soul was thirsty and not just her physical body. What she didn't know was that she was trying to quench her thirst through relationships. And you would have thought after five failed marriages... She would have looked in a different direction, but she still was with somebody who she wasn't married to. And so Jesus comes on the scene and say, look, I can give you some water where you won't thirst no more. And then verse 21 says, he says, woman, believe me, when the hour come, when you shall neither in this mountain nor shall yet in uh, Jerusalem worship the father, you shall worship, you worship, you know not of. But we know what we worship because salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is going to come where the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And the Father seeks such to worship him. God is spirit and they that worship him must worship him in what? In spirit and in truth. And then eventually Jesus revealed himself to this woman. Jesus knew that what she was drinking was because of what she was thinking. The only reason she was in five relationships is that's all she was thinking about. And some of you right here in this room, you cannot wait to get married. And you know what? To a certain degree, that's okay. But to a certain degree, if you don't watch it, what you think about the most is what you will go toward the most. And some of you in this room right now, let me just be honest right here, right here. There's a question the Lord woman me to ask y'all. How many of you over the last year have dated somebody, and you're no longer dating them. Raise your hand. Just be honest. Raise your hand. Okay. All right. Now, put your hand down. You don't even need to date nobody else for the next year. Remember one of those instant changes? There it is right there. You don't need to date nobody. Because, see, it takes some time to get over people. Amen. The woman at the well tried to cure her soul, and watch this. Quench her spiritual thirst with, with physical things. Now I want you to just listen to this take-home thought. Spiritual thirst can never be quenched with physical things. I'm going to say it again. Spiritual thirst. Everybody say spiritual thirst. Spiritual thirst can never be quenched with physical things. In other words... Relationships, jobs, money, or material things do not have the power to permanently quench spiritual thirst. And the reason why single people still go after the same thing, you want to know why you're picking the same kind of man or the same kind of woman and you get the same results? It's because you are spiritually thirsty, but you're trying to get something physically to quench it. 
Amen. Many singles think that they have a relationship problem, a money problem, a weight problem, a baby mama problem, support, uh, uh, child support problems. Now, you don't have none of those problems. What you have is a spiritual drought problem. Now, it was a spiritual void in this lady's life that caused her to chase after natural things. Now, I want you to do this. I want you to turn your Bible over to Jeremiah. Go to Jeremiah chapter 2. Jeremiah chapter 2. See, the proof of her thirstiness was in five failed marriages. And it could not have been all the men's fault that she was married to because she is the only common denominator in the relationship. You know how sometimes we always blame the other person? I was there. You know how men are. Well, wait a minute. She had five chances. And you mean to tell me that out of five men, it was all them? Look at your neighbor and say, it might be you. It wasn't until she met the man who represented living water that her thirst was quenched. You think a natural man or a natural woman and you getting married is going to quench your life. No, no, no. That's not going to quench your life. What's going to quench your life is being close to Christ. And if you don't allow Christ to quench the thirst in your life, you're going to suck the life out of anybody that you me. That's why some of you all on the first date, you throw out everything about yourself. Uh, don't you know I have 10 kids and uh, I've been married eight times and, and you know I just got out of a relationship and you know I've been hurt and, and you know my last man cheated on me and my last girlfriend. No, you're throwing all that out. You know why you're throwing that all out? Because you're still thirsty. So I have a question. This is a deep question too. This is good because I'm about to go deep right now. So why are singles who are Christians still thirsty if they have believed in Christ who represents living water? Is that a good question? I'm so glad you asked me. Because I'm going to answer it in my third and final point, and here it is. The living water, who is Christ, can hold if you have holes. I'm going to say that again. The living water can't hold if you have holes. Think about it. If you had a tire and it had a hole in it, you could put as much air in that tire as you want to. Eventually, that tire is still going to leak. Well, you can get married and have kids and still be thirsty spiritually because only Christ can fix the thirst. And some of you in this room, you think that being married, you think that making more money, you think that that's going to quench the thirst. Well, I'm here to tell you it won't. Because once you get to that money, then you're going to want some more. Amen. So watch this. Go to Jeremiah 2. Are you in Jeremiah 2? Singles who are not whole, W-H-O-L-E, it's because they have holes, H-O-L-E-S. And if something is not whole, then it's broken. Do you agree with me on that? Watch Jeremiah chapter 2, look at verse 13. He says, for my people have committed how many evils? Two evils. This is God talking. He says, they have forsaken me, the fountain of what? Living waters. And have hewed out or carved out cisterns, broken cisterns, 
that can't hold what? No water. Now, the word forsaken there means to depart from, to leave behind, or to relinquish. In other words, watch this now. This is good. You can believe in Jesus, but not trust in him. You can believe the Bible is true and not live it because you don't trust that it will work for you. You can believe that God wants you to marry a saved man or marry a saved woman, but don't trust him enough to not date unsaved people. You can believe that living a pure sexual life is God's best for your life, but not believe and trust to do it, and that's why you're still sexually active. In other words, I'm trying to get you to see, you can believe and not trust. You can believe that a chair will hold you up, but you don't show that you trust that the chair will hold you up until you go and sit down on it. And some of you all are so thirsty, you're so thirsty that you are taking anything the devil throws at you. A lot of singles are trying to fulfill their thirst through broken cisterns. Now watch this now. This is just for history's sake. A cistern is a pit or it's like a well where they stored water. And we can translate cistern to our heart because we're going to do a comparison. He says, my, my people have, forsake, have done two things. They've forsaken me, the fountain of living water. In other words, they believe in me, but they don't trust me. And then they've carved out for themselves cisterns, wells. And not only have they carved their own well out, but the well is what? It's broken. And the word broken there is interesting because it means to be torn, crushed, maimed, or crippled. Now, go to Leviticus 22. Go to Leviticus 22. Let me show you this real quick. Go to Leviticus chapter 22. I'm going to show you this word uh, broken in another verse so you can kind of get the context of what he means. He says, my people have committed two evils. They've forsaken me, the fountain of living water, and then they've carved out for themselves their own cisterns. In Leviticus 22, look in verse 21. This, this, this was God talking. He says, you shall offer at your own will a male without blemish. Remember now, back, back in those days, they had to offer like animals. He says, okay, you can offer a male without blemish of the beeves, of the sheep, or of the goats, but whatever has a blemish, that you shall not offer, for it shall not be acceptable for you. Verse 21, and whatever offers us, and whoever offers a sacrifice of peace offerings unto the Lord to accomplish his vow or a free will offering in beeves or sheep, it shall be perfect to be accepted. Watch this. There shall be no blemish. Verse 22, they can't be blind or what's the next word? Broken or what's the next word? Maimed. And that word maimed is the same Greek word over there that we just read in Jeremiah as the word broken. In other words, when we don't have Christ as the center of our life, when we have not trusted him, watch this now, not just believe, because many of you in this room believe in Christ, but you haven't trusted him all the way. You haven't trusted him enough to pick your mate out. That's why you still speed dating. 
Okay, let me just make it relevant. That's why you on uh, blackpeople.com, black, meetpeopleblack.com. I even saw one the other day called uh, farmers.com. Yeah, I guess it's for country people. Country people, I guess, understand country people. I don't know. But uh, that's why you're on ChristianMingle.com. I know God wants you to meet somebody, but you know, he don't want you to meet them before he's ready to introduce you. Amen. And here's the thing. Go to Romans chapter 12. Go to Romans 12. If you as a single person, your life is not centered around Christ. And what I mean by that is what do you think about the most. I wonder, is it about how to get a man? And see, some of y'all got attitude. I don't need no man. See, that's your problem right there. <laughs> I didn't say you needed a man. Okay. But at the, at the end of the day, if God saw that a man needed a woman, then guess what? When a man needs a woman, I know I changed the words, but I meant to do that. <laughs> there is nothing wrong with wanting to be married. But some singles in this room, if you got married, you wouldn't serve God no more. Can, why, okay, let me ask you this. Why should God trust you with a man of God? Watch this. And you can't even just keep the rules that God has for you right now as a single person. Now, how many know people can change? How many know people can change for the good? How many know people can change for the bad? Yeah, that's, that's, that, that's what happened with you and Tyrone. <laughs> you say, well, who is Tyrone? Tyrone is whoever you dated in the past. Sometimes you don't trust God to lead you and to feed you. Now watch this in Romans 12. Remember now in Leviticus he says you cannot offer to God something that's blind, broken, or maimed. Romans chapter 12 verse 1. Because the body of every single, I'm talking about the physical body, the physical body of every single individual needs to be presented to God as a living sacrifice. And man, let me tell you something. Let me just read the verse. Romans 12, verse 1. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, that you present your what? Your bodies as a what? Living sacrifice. How? Holy. And what else? Acceptable. And what else? Unto God, which is your reasonable service. I remember when I first, uh, y'all, some of y'all heard this story, but when I was single and I had first got saved, you know, because when I wasn't saved, I wasn't saved. I mean, you knew I wasn't saved. I mean, I didn't act saved. I didn't even know what saved was. And so, of course, I didn't act saved. And, and I, I went to a Christian college uh, by default because I got a, like a, a scholarship from there. So I went to this school and and I wasn't a Christian, even though the name of the school was Jarvis Christian College. I wasn't a Christian. Hey. So I went to Jarvis, right? So I was the weed or dope dealer on campus. I was the supplier. I probably supplied the person over here that just sat there. Now, I'm, just, I'm just playing. I'm just playing. 
But I was the supplier. Okay? And uh, I made sure that I kept a decent supply for my customers. In fact, sometimes I would drive all the way from East Texas all the way to Dallas, get me some more weed, drive all the way back to Hawkins, Texas, and roll them all up and sell them up and, and that kind of thing, right? So I did that. So then I moved to a bigger university called Prairie View A&M University. But I moved there because I needed some more customers. That was probably one of my customers right there. No, I'm just playing. I'm just playing. I'm playing. So, you know, I was like, man, because Jarvis was a small college, I was like, man, I'm going to make some big money at PV. And they got four women to one guy. I'm going to be, look, I'm going to be high and have fun at the same time. Jesus is good. <laughs> so I get there and I fool around. Uh, and, and watch this. Uh, we were, we were, you know, we had parties. You know, at Prayer View, the parties started on Thursday, sometimes Wednesday night. But they, they sure enough started on Thursday, right? So, you know, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, I mean, we was partying, right? So I'll never forget, you know, uh, we went to a party Saturday night. And uh, me and my cousin, who we were at school together, uh, he, you know, we always knew to go to church after party. You know, so that's why some of you all leave the club and you probably still got on your same clothes from last night and you came here, right? And so uh, we went to church that morning and where we went to church was the same room where we had the party. So I was like, cuz, is this where we had that party last night? He was like, yeah, yeah. This, I was like, man, we had party here last night. Now they're having church service in here. And what was interesting is all the people that was in the church service was the people that was at the party last night. <laughs> and all of them, the ones that I, look, the ones that I supplied <laughs> was some of the ones getting up there testifying. So I'm like really confused because I'm not a Christian. I'm like, what are they doing? What are they talking about? And then this one, so the, the preacher gets up there and he says, okay, no more testimonies. Uh, you know, thank you everybody who testified. And then this guy just walks up and interrupts the preacher or the priest or whatever he was. Interrupts him and says, I know you said nobody else can come, he, but I, 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 I got to say this. He just interrupted him. He said, I got to say this. This is for somebody. And he started testifying about his life. And he said, you know what? And then he got down to the end. He said, if you want to see somebody live like Jesus Christ, watch me. I was like, what the heck? <laughs> so I started watching this guy. I mean, I watched him. So every now and then when I would see him, I would just ask him a question because I was curious because, I, you know, I, I didn't know about being saved. You know, I grew up in Presbyterian church. I never saw nobody walk down an aisle. I never saw nobody raise their hand. I never saw none of that stuff. So I didn't know people were saved or not. And so, and so I started talking to him. And then I realized that, man, I don't have a personal relationship in Jesus Christ. Watch this. I believe in him because my parents taught me to. But I hadn't trusted him with my life. And I, I realized I am going to hell. So then... I decided I'm going to go home and get saved at my Presbyterian church. So, and God is good because I could have died in between then and, and you know, getting, getting home. But I came home and I went to the preacher's church, I mean, office. And you have to understand that Presbyterian people are very social people. So we had a smoking section inside of our church. 
Oh, yeah, we just puffed right there. We puffed over here, and the preacher's office was right here. So I go and knock on his door, and I say, hey, you know, uh, he said, hey, Evan, how you doing? Good to see you home from school. I was like, I'm good. He said, what do you need? I said, I, I want to get saved today. He said, oh, you want to accept Christ today? I was like, yeah. He knew what I was talking about. So then he said, I'll tell you what. After, after my talk, because we didn't call it a sermon, after my talk, then uh, I'm going to call you up, and I'm going to ask you some questions, and uh, you'll, you'll be saved. And so for the first time that I have ever seen anybody, after he got done with his talk, he said, there's a young man here today that wanted to receive Jesus Christ, his personal Savior. Come on up here, Evan. And I, I went up there, and he asked me, do you believe that Jesus Christ died for your sins? Do you believe that he was born of a Virgin Mary? Do you believe that God raised him from the dead? Do you believe that God, he died for your sins? And, and I said, yes, 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 yes. And he says, based on your confession and your belief, you're saved. And when I turned around, I was not the same person that walked back up there. Watch this. Watch this. And at that moment, I had to learn to trust God in every area of my life. And there are some of you here today, oh, you're trusting God with your money, but you're not trusting God with your mouth. Now, I know there are some singles, and you know, I got beef on this, so... I got to say it, there are some singles out there that are living a great and successful celibate life. Can you just give them a big hand? <laughs> Amen. I got a text from one of our singles said, I've been celibate for 14 years. I just said, praise the Lord. So we do have some that are holding on to God's unchanging hand. We got a whole lot of y'all that y'all changing hands. In other words, go to John chapter 7. We'll close right here. Go to John chapter, John chapter 7. I had to trust God in every area. And it didn't happen overnight, but it happened over time. And let me tell you what, let me tell you what was really interesting about my walk. I thought that you only say yes to Jesus one time. You don't say yes to Jesus one time. You may say yes to him one time to get saved, but you have to say yes to him every time he wants to make a change in your life. I had to say yes to him to quit my job and go to Bible school. I had to say yes. I had to say yes, and I'm glad I said yes to that one because I met my wife. See, see, some of your yeses are connected to your destiny and you don't know it. So the longer you take time to say yes, is the longer it's going to take time for you to get to your destiny. Because what if I had said, no, I ain't going to no Bible school in Jamaica. I ain't quitting my $40,000 a year job. God would have been like, well, it's going to be a while before what you have prayed for, you will get. I had to trust him and leave, watch this, Something physical to pursue something that was spiritual. And I met my wife. I had to say yes to even become a preacher because that was not on my list to become when I was growing up. I, it was, I, you know, some people dream of being a basketball player, dream to be a football player. I didn't dream on being a preacher. It was not on my list. 
But I had to say yes. I had to trust him. I had to trust him when he asked me to be a pastor, even though it wasn't something that I dreamed to be. I had to trust him. I had to trust him to start Word of Truth Family Church. I had to trust him. See, I could have just stayed in the believing boat because that's where a lot of y'all are. You believe. Oh, I believe. Oh, I believe. You believe God heals? Yes. You believe God supplies? Yes. Do you believe God will bless you? Yes. But you know what? Do you trust him to do your part so that you can see him do his part? And I had to trust him to start Word of Truth Family Church. We started in a small elementary school. And then it started getting a little crowded. And I said, Lord, what do you want us to do? You want us to do two services or do you want us to move? He says, I want you to move. I said, where do you want us to move? And I was in prayer one day and I got a vision. Finally, I got to this school and I saw this is where he wants us to be. And let me tell you something. When we moved, our church probably only filled up maybe the first 10 rows in this middle section. That was it. There were more chairs than there were people. And he said, do you trust me? I said, I trust you. Because, see, you can't trust God if you're always looking back. The only reason you keep going back to the same thing, the same habit, the same person, the same pattern, is because you haven't completely trusted. And I had to trust him because, watch this, my trail of flesh was gone. I couldn't go back. There was no trail. And there are some of you in this room, God is wanting you to trust him. And I don't know where he's trying to get you to trust him in and trust him with. But I'm telling you today, the, the core of this message is, can you trust him? What are you drinking? Are you drinking more of your own way or are you drinking him? John chapter 7, and we'll close right here. Keep playing. John 7, look at verse 37. It says, in the last day, John 7, 37, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried saying, if any man, what class? If any man is thirsty, let him go down to the bar. That's not what he says. He didn't say, law gone. He didn't say, get on the phone. He said, if any man is thirsty, let him go. Come to me, watch this, and drink. See, you can come to Jesus and not drink, just like you can come over my house and not eat. See, drinking is saying, okay, whatever you have for my life, I will do it. I need you to get rid of that person you're dating because they're not saying, okay, but Lord, I don't, I, I don't want to forgive my mama, but you need to. Okay. Lord, I hear you. Some of you all need to let go and forgive your babies, daddies, and mommies. He's saying, forgive them. Drink it. What do you need to drink today? To trust him. Every head bow. Right there. Oh, this is good. What do you need to drink?
to trust him today. I know you've been believing, but are you trusting? Hallelujah. Just right there, just be still. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I'm giving the Holy Spirit time to talk to you. Where can you trust God more with? I'm just going to throw out some areas. Maybe you need to trust God in your relationships. Before you even get in them, the question is, have you asked him, should you even pursue it? See, that's trusting. Have you trusted him with your money? The proof is in the pudding. The proof is in your giving. Have you trusted him? Do you trust him to forgive somebody knowing that through your forgiveness comes your healing? Do you trust him with your future? Or have you got your future all pinned down and, and, and he can't interrupt? Do you trust him enough to let him alter your plan that you have for his plan? And there are some people here today, you've been believing, but you haven't been trusting. If you're here right now, you say, Pastor Evan, there are some areas that I know I need to trust God in. And I need you to pray for me. I want you to just raise your hand so I can pray for you. Everybody here still bowed. You say, there are some areas that I need to trust God in. And I need to trust Him in better. And I need you to pray for me. Hands all over the place. Hands all over the place. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Keep your hands up. Keep your hands up. Father, in the name of Jesus. Your word says to trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto their own understanding and all their ways acknowledge you and you will direct their path. And Father, I declare over every hand that is raised that they will begin to trust you for their lives like they never have before. They just won't say they believe, but Father, they will trust. In whatever area you put on their hearts today, that they need to trust you in. I thank you that the power and the strength to do all things through Christ has been imparted even now. That when they leave this place, they will leave with a strength. They will leave with a boldness. They will leave, Father, with a confidence that they can not only believe you, but they can trust you in the process. And I pray, God, that as they trust you, just like your word says, you said you would bless us. And so I declare that blessings are going to flow in the name of Jesus. Father, relationships, statuses are going to change in this room because there are some that are here that are with the wrong people and you can't supply the right person if they're with the wrong person. And I just pray that, God, they will hear your voice and they will know what is right. I just declare blessings over them in Jesus' name. You can put your hand down. If you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, in other words, if you died today, are you...